Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Project Body Love podcast. I'm Nikki Osman and I'm Features Director at Women's Health. If you're tuning in to the Project Body Love podcast for the first time, welcome. This series has been developed by Women's Health as part of our Project Body Love campaign, which aims to change the way that women think, feel and speak about their bodies. In this special edition of the podcast, I sat down with Jada Cesar, body confidence advocate, model, mental health ambassador and now Women's Health cover star to talk about self-esteem, social media and how she shuts down her own inner critic. This episode of the Women's Health Project Body Love podcast is supported by Always Discreet, a brand on a mission to break the taboo and normalise the conversation around bladder leaks. Together, we're joining forces to shift the dial on body confidence, encourage a positive mindset and put an end to negative self-talk and embarrassment. Jada, hello. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That feels quite strange for me to say because I should say that we're speaking during a break from recording the 30-day podcast series Mm -hmm. that you've just hosted for us. How's that been for you? I have loved every minute and throughout the whole time of explaining all the techniques, the research, the practices. I've learned so much. It's taken me on a journey and it's really helped me to refine the ideas and the kind of instincts I had around like the objectification theory and the power of nature and really understanding and solidifying the importance of it. Mm. Is there anything that you're going to take away for your own life, do you think? Well, I've already told my boyfriend about the objectification theory and I've broke it down to him. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be using that as a force for change and really telling people that it is a real thing. That once we are objectified by other people, we can do that self-objectifying too. I loved the mirror practice, sitting in the mirror and being really present, feeling our feet on the ground and working our way through our bodies. Love that. And just the simple thing of breathing. Whilst I was telling everyone else to breathe, I on the other end was breathing too. Mm, It's amazing how powerful these simple techniques Mm. that we kind of should be doing every day can be. I should say this isn't the first time you and I have sat down together to talk about body confidence. Um, You've been with us on this journey since Project Body Love was just something that we were talking about in meetings. So just to offer some context, back in May, Jada was one of nine thought leaders and academics who Women's Health invited to a discussion where we talked about the state of play. Um, Following that, we did some research. We spoke to 2,500 women to really try to understand the way that women feel about their bodies and how that changes over the course of a woman's lifetime. So I wanted to talk to you about the findings of that research because when we looked at the numbers, some of the findings were really quite sad, actually. Only 6% of the women that we spoke to told us they loved their bodies. But perhaps more surprising than that still was only 13% said that they were content with their bodies. Are those kind of numbers surprising to you? Is that what you would expect? I think it's surprising because it's quite unfortunate. We shouldn't be feeling like that about our bodies. That shouldn't be the norm. But it's no surprise when I was working my way through the episodes and understanding why we're bombarded with social media. We're bombarded with media idealised images. And no wonder we're feeling like that when we actually break down what we're up against. So I think for me, one of the findings that really resonated with me personally was the role of the inner critic. When we asked women to identify something that had affected their body confidence in a negative way, 55% of them told us that looking in the mirror and judging their own appearance or trying on clothes 
was a time when they felt really vulnerable. I think most women have been on the receiving end of that kind of voice that sits inside your brain and trolls you when you're just trying to do something normal about your day, like looking in the mirror. Is dealing with your inner critic, is that something that, that resonated with you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And there was an episode where we one of the mantras was a thought is a thought and a feeling is a feeling. And I found that really powerful because we are disconnecting the idea of I am fat to I am fat is a thought in my head. Like yeah. The thought of I am fat is what I'm experiencing right now. But that isn't the reality. And I felt that was so powerful and empowering because it's almost like your brain is on one hand and your body is in the other. And what your brain is thinking isn't necessarily what your body is. And being able to differentiate and kind of separate those two things allows you to then regain control of what your mind is saying. What do you do that gives you that self-esteem? Maybe it is the moisturising. Maybe it is getting your nails done. Maybe it is exploring that piece of art or your love for music. Like those things I take for granted. Like I love putting on my night cream before bed. It's just part of my routine, brushing my teeth. But you don't realise how important it is until somebody tells you. So it's kind of about finding what your own habits are and finding ways to work that into your routine. And obviously you're coming at this from a really interesting perspective of someone who has studied this stuff in a classroom, Mm. but also you're working off your own lived experience. Do you find that being able to approach this topic from an academic perspective gives you a new kind of take on it? I think the reason why I got into the academic side and the psychotherapeutic understanding of why things feel like what I'm experiencing is because I wanted the language to elaborate how I'm feeling because I think a lot of the time we feel anxiety and we feel scared and nervous but we don't have the language attached to it. What kind of role does exercise play in this as well because I know that we've talked about this before you were a swimmer as a child did that kind of inform your habits as an adult as well? Definitely you know I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now now I look back at it but being a part of a group had such camaraderie and team effort and self-esteem attached to being a part of something bigger than you. But then also being able to see that you can achieve and that achievement wasn't based on being the prettiest girl in class or the boy choosing you. It was achievement through getting a merit through passing your next grade in the violin or being able to swim a bit faster or learning to be really strong in netball, whatever it was. It was much bigger than my looks. And it was bigger than the objectification because that would have been really disruptive to my development as a teenager. It's so funny. I I swam the the serpentine. I did the two mile challenge. And although the experience was wonderful, it was an incredible opportunity to be a part of something and to swim that distance and set myself up for this challenge. For me, the joy and the most fulfillment came through the conversations I had during that swim. I know you're thinking, who has a chat with someone whilst swimming two miles? <laughs> Me. Because I could see people struggling and I was like, come on, you can do it. Or are you okay? And those kind of moments show real human connection. And I think that's what I strive for because when you're a part of a team and you see a team doing really well and you're all, you're in it together, right? So you're all congratulating each other for this massive achievement. All the times when you're failing and you're at a low, but you're all still coming together. I think they're the moments that I crave the most. And that's what I love about being a part of something bigger than just me and why I take on challenges. Is exercise for body confidence, has that become a part of your your own routine? I guess so, yeah. I think I fell out of love with the exercise. Well, I didn't fall out of love. I just kind of got 
busy and didn't make it a priority. And I guess I didn't realize the importance it had on my confidence growing up. You kind of just do it because you do it. Exercise has played a massive part of my mental health. I was going through severe anxiety um, at one point in my life and my friend introduced me to yoga and I was not yogi. And then I got into that class and was thinking, you know, everyone's gonna be super experienced and advanced and I don't really know what I'm doing. But I left that class feeling so alive and centered and de-stressed. That's when I fell in love with yoga and I realized the power of it. I think Project Body Love brought up some really great points of being mindful of your motivations. And, you know, I don't, I work out predominantly for my mental health, but there have been times where I've been at the gym and I've wanted to do a pull up. I've just wanted to lift my body weight to feel strong. And I would train with my personal trainer to learn how to do that correctly. And that wasn't necessary for my mental health, but it is for a personal achievement, which makes you feel full as well. And I think that's okay. I think we talked a lot about body functionality in the podcast as well. And I guess it's kind of figuring out all the things that your body can do. And it's actually really empowering, like you say. I mean, I'm talking from someone who cannot do a pull-up to save my life. But actually, when you build up your strengths towards that, it can be really empowering knowing that you're using your body in new and powerful ways. Yeah, yeah. And even recognising that I work out for my mental health and running a marathon was the training that I did for that was great for my mind but then I realized I could walk upstairs without getting out of breath and that's when I'm like wow my body did do that and what kind of tactics do you use personally to kind of pull yourself back when you find that you're going down that wormhole when your inner critic Mm. has got a lot to say what what do you use to kind of break out of that Mm. so on the sliding scale when confidence is towards the lower end and you know the days that I can't just pep talk myself If I think about me as a kid and talking to myself as somebody that is smaller and younger and more vulnerable than me that I need to take care of, that compassion is tenfold to what I tend to have for myself at times. And so by picturing myself as what I would say to that inner child of mine, it's in my gut, it's in my stomach, that little inner child, I need to look after her. I need to hold her cradle and nurture her. And so that's how we need to be for ourselves sometimes just being, having our own backs. And that gives me perspective, I think. That gives me true perspective and abil- and the ability to stand up for myself a bit more. And I wanted to ask you about comparison culture because this work comes up time and time again when we talk about this stuff. Obviously, social media has widened the pool infinitely to the mm. number of people who we can compare ourselves with. As someone who both curates and consumes this kind of content, Do you have any tactics for managing your own relationship with social media? Well, I think it's it's easy to have this extension on the end of your hand where you just routinely flick on to different apps and start using them. And they can be a space for great things like connection and finding your tribe, finding information, being inspired. But it's, for me, I, I often have to see how I'm doing that, see what my behaviours of cons- of consumption have been. And, you know, like Project Body Love explained, like don't feel of, like you're offending anyone by muting or unfollowing people because these are platforms for fun. At the end of the day, they should be used to build your life 
to the fullest it can be and to this this should be used to make your life feel as full and as colorful and as inspired so i often have to catch myself and practice that mindfulness of what what am i doing how is it making me feel giving myself that space to think about how i feel rather than just feeling just being in the flow there was some really interesting research that we wrote about recently and it was all about how following parody accounts as well can be mm. really powerful for your body image yeah. so kind of seeing people have a bit of a lightness of touch with their feed so I guess it really is what you make of it isn't mm. it yeah I think the interesting thing is how um we've talked about this before about the fact that social media is still so new that we're kind of the guinea pigs in this and we're mm. still kind of figuring it out as we go along do you think it's even more important at the moment while we're still figuring this stuff out to have your own rules in place for how you consume this stuff I think rules are helpful if you're not somebody that's very mindful, like putting a timer on your phone, checking in on how much time different apps, you've used different apps. Sometimes you can even log out. So then it becomes a bit more of an effort to log in. Much of the time I find myself getting off social media and just being outside in nature or being with my family and having real lived experiences and having real lived moments. And that inspires me when I do go back online because then I can talk from a place of truth rather than the truth that I feel is is what we're curating online and that we're sculpting, which isn't really true. And I think, you know, it's easy to lose touch of that if you spend a lot of time online. We're losing that ability to look into someone's eye and read their body language if we're just online feeling like we know a vlogger or a YouTuber because of what we see. Is there a case for treating body confidence as a form of self-care? Yeah, absolutely. I think body confidence is a massive part of the way we view ourselves. And so self-care and the different processes that happen within being body confident makes up who you are. It's a, it's a big part of self-esteem and confidence building. Body confidence is the end effect of all of the things you put in place because you'll just become body confident. Body confidence is how you view yourself. How do we raise the next generation of girls and young women to feel more confident in themselves? Mm. Big question. I think with the Project Body Love tips for each episode, if we take them on and we apply them to ourselves and they become our norm and a part of our daily routine, we just enforce, by being that person, by being aware of the language we use, by being aware of how our relationship with food, that will subconsciously trickle down into our children and the next generation. Roll them into sports that make them feel strong in their bodies. I think just to try and make sure that in every part of your life, you are being fed the same information that's reinforcing your love for your body. And I suppose we're all products of the culture that we grow up around, aren't we? We absorb the messages that surround us. So even by becoming more aware of our language and aware of our habits, that has to be a powerful thing, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Being mindful of, you know, being able to catch yourself when you're in those moments of that isn't actually what I think. That's what I've been told to think about my body. Being able to catch that and reframe it before we then say it to our to our daughters. That is so powerful because it's definitely kind of rejecting the ideas of what we should be and being able to interpret it differently into a more healthier way. And also just realizing that that's not the norm just because we see it everywhere. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that that's our reality in the world. Being able to kind of put young people in the spaces where they'll see that, that change, um, see models of different shapes, colours, creeds, that's really important. Um, so what's next for you? Have you got any more projects kind of on the horizon? On the horizon. Oh, well, I mean, I kind of think, I did say I was hanging up my wetsuit, hanging up the running trainers, but I am swayed by maybe getting the London Classics medal, which is a big, beautiful piece of bling when you have run a marathon, you've swum the serpentine and you cycle 100 miles. That's next year, August. So it might be a challenge I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm definitely tempted. Definitely tempted. And, you know, it's really nice having something in place that you're working towards and an excuse to try out a different sport, I guess. So might be the next challenge amazing best of luck with that and we can't wait to see what you do next thank you for having me and i hope you enjoyed the project body love podcast